Amen. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Before I begin the sermon, I want to address a problem I've noticed uh, here lately. I think uh, each year I become more and more aware of it. We have a great problem. And it's the discrepancy between Mother's Day and Father's Day. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the busiest days of church, one of the times of the year when most people come to church is Mother's Day. And today, everybody's on vacation. So I got started doing some research and how Mother's Day is handled different than Father's Day. You know, Mother's Day became a holiday in 1914. 1914. Father's Day became a holiday in 1972. So they started having Mother's Day, and it took them 58 years to realize, well, wait a minute, maybe we should have a Father's Day too. And I noticed I do it. I do the same thing. I fix the church sign before Mother's Day, and I put down her children, rise up, call her blessed, happy Mother's Day. You know, praise and honor for mothers. And I put the sign out there to the day. It says, fathers, children will follow your example, not your advice. So we don't praise fathers, we give them a warning. Fathers, you better be careful. Pay attention to what you're doing. But we praise mothers. But fathers make a difference. When fathers are involved in their children's lives, they're two times more likely to go to college. They're 80% less likely to spend time in jail. And they're 75% less likely to experience a teen pregnancy. We sometimes don't see the impact that we can have on, our chi- on a child's life. And if you're a father, God wants you to help you to make an impact, to make a difference. In fact, we can all let God help us to make a difference in the lives of others around us. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 through 13. And the Bible says, but As we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as we know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye are ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labors and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would, could, would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preach unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and Unblameably, we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know, how we extort and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doeth his children, that you walk, that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom of glory. 
For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us. Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your precious word. Father, we thank you for this day that we honor as fathers. And Lord, I thank you for my father, and I thank you for the men here who have uh, fathered their children. And, and Lord, I just I praise you now for this time. But Father, you want us to make a difference in this world. You want us to reach out with your gospel to touch a lost and dying world. Not just to show them the truth, but to show them the love and the attributes that you've given us through your spirit. So Father, help us to understand that while we're speaking to fathers, we're also speaking to everyone who's a believer of Jesus Christ, that we're to make a difference in someone's life. So Father, we love you and we thank you. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So here in our text today, Paul gives instructions on what it takes to make a difference, to be the kind of servant God desires us to be. To be the father that makes a difference, you have to let God prepare you. To be anybody that makes a difference, God has to do the preparation in you. He has to change who you are. And that's a process. We become a new creature in the minute we accept Christ as our Savior, but to grow into what God wants us to be is a process. But we can make a difference in people's lives. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus points, uh, paints a beautiful picture of a father in one of his parables. It's a father that has two sons, and one of the sons comes to him and says, I want all my money, I want everything that's, that, I, 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 that I should get, half of whatever you have that belongs to me, and I'm going to go out on my own. And the father gives it to him, and he leaves. And as soon as the son leaves, he starts losing his money. And before long, he's forced to eat scraps with the pigs. Now, the father wasn't angry or disappointed. He prepared for his son's return. It's a wonderful picture here. Of, he let the son go because that was the son's desire, but he prayed and longed for that son to come back home. That's a picture of what God does for us as we're living in sin, separated from him. He longs for us to come home. In Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 24, the Bible says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto, to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put on him, uh, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let it eat. And let us eat and be merry, for this is my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. See, the son came back with his, head, with his tail between his legs. His head down, said, Father, I, I sinned against God. I sinned in your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. And the father kissed him. I just see him now and said, don't talk, don't talk foolish. 
you're always my son. You never stop being my son. If you're here working on the farm, you're my son. If you're out spending all your money on whatever, you're still my son. Nothing changes the picture of a father's love for his child. But he was so happy he came back. And he was waiting for him, wasn't he? He had a robe ready. He had that ring ready. He had that calf fowl fatted ready to be slaughtered. Our Heavenly Father wants us to make the difference because He wants all His children to come home. They're all out there lost, uh, trying to find the satisfaction in this world, trying to look around and see what they can find. He says, I got what they need right here. I just want them to come home. Go tell them. Go tell them about Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross. Go tell them about His death, burial, and resurrection. Go tell Him that they don't die for their sins anymore. They die because they reject the pardon that I'm offering. Our Heavenly Father wants us to make a difference. So first of all, God will take away our guilt. You can't make a difference if you're walking around in guilt. Look at verse 4 again. Verse 4 said, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Paul says God tries our hearts. Paul wants us to see that God has entrusted us with the gospel. The good news about Jesus Christ. Now who are we to be allowed to carry the gospel? We're just sinners saved by his grace. But we speak the gospel because that's what God wants us to do. He has trusted us with his good news. He's trusted us with the message the world needs to hear. And it's easy for us to walk away feeling guilty because of what we once were. Paul knew a lot about guilt. Before he met Jesus, he was full of self-righteousness and and hatred. Paul was guilty, but he found out that God can take away his guilt. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Because we're all guilty. We all fall short of the glory of God. and We all need to be forgiven. But guilt is not just a feeling, it's also a fact. We are guilty. Without Jesus, we'll stand before him one day and get judged. But with Jesus, we're forgiven. Paul found his forgiveness, and so can we. The son who left home was guilty. He came home. He said, I just want to be a slave. He said, I just want scraps from your table. I don't want to be called your son anymore, so I don't deserve it anymore. But what did he get? He received forgiveness, love, and mercy. Why? Because he was still his son. That's what we find when we come to God through Jesus Christ. That God will take away our guilt. In verse 13 of our text, it says, Receive the word of God. God's forgiveness is found in God's word. In Psalms 32, 5, it says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquities have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgivest the iniquities of my sin. The Bible says, all you have to do is confess and receive forgiveness. But you have to receive it. You have to believe it. We can't can't make a difference walking around in guilt. We must walk in God's forgiveness so that we can make a difference. I spend too much time feeling guilty about uh, half of my life being wasted, over half of my life being wasted. It took a long time for me to realize this, that God don't care about that. God said, I don't care what you did before you met Jesus. But I do care about what you do after you meet him. Second, 
God will also give you the goodness you need. Goodness is not something we find on our own. It must come from God. Look at verses 5 through 10. It says, For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you, you know, uh, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is a witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, not yet of others. When we might have uh, been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith her children, and being, uh, so being affectionately desirous of you, we are willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye are dear unto us. For ye uh, remember, brethren, our labors and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preach unto you the gospel of God. Your witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Paul gives a, a, a list here. He says, uh, Paul was a good man. And by God's grace, the Lord can give us the goodness too. Paul wasn't good because of who he was. Paul was good because of who he knew. Amen? Same way with us. There's nothing good in us. There's nothing desirable in us. But if you have God in you, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, it's all the goodness you need. Paul said, we came to you in Thessalonica. We come to you gentle among you. We come as a nurse, uh, cherish our children. We come affectionately desirous of you. Not the gospel only, but also our souls. Paul said, we came with the gospel, yes, but we also come with a soul to show you that we love you and that we care for you. And if you're going to be a witness for God, if you're going to take his gospel anywhere, people will know whether or not you're invested in him or not. Paul showed him here at this church that he said, we are invested in you. We're going to give you the gospel, but we're also going to give you our soul. Why? Because you mean something to us. We cherish you. We're affectionately desirous of you. We want you to know the gospel because we love you. And fathers, your children know whether or not you're truly invested in them or not. Honesty, humility, holiness, and a big heart. God wants to turn us into his workers with his kindness and his love and all the courage we need to do his will. But you have to submit to him. You can't live how you want to do. You can't act how you want to act. You've got to seek his good in your life. But how does God fill us with his goodness? Well, one of the ways is the fruits of his Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Okay, nothing wrong with that. God wants to fill us with his Spirit. He wants the world to see us, see him in us. Ephesians 5, 8, 9, 8 through 10 says, For ye were sometimes in darkness, but now ye are, um, now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, in righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Those fruits of the Spirit are not just uh, stuff we can pick and choose. You do those things because there's nothing in the law against those things. You do those things because they're acceptable unto the Lord. And if you're going to walk 
and make a difference in people's lives, you have to walk in acceptance of the Lord and his will. We need more of God's goodness every day to be the people he wants us to be. Fathers, your children need to see God's goodness in you. And the world needs, needs more godly fathers. But God also fills us with his goodness by the work of his word in our lives. Look at verse 13. Uh, verse 13 tells us to receive the word of God, not the word of men. Because God's word is true. It's so important that we study God's word because it is working in our lives. The more you read, the more you understand, the more God reveals to you through his word, the greater impact it has on your life and the greater impact it has on how you can affect other people. One of the examples is Ephesians 5.25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, if you read that, and I read that, I know that it's God's will for me to love my wife. So I pray, God, please help me to love my wife the way you love the church. And I can be confident God will answer that prayer because that's his will. If he tells you to do it, he'll give you the strength and the power to do so. He will help you to do that. We can be confident. If he says do it, he'll make a way for us to do it if we submit to him. And it's important for our children to see that we love their mother. We must pray for God's word to work in our lives, to change who we are, to change how we think and how we feel. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear, he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. We have confidence. Sometimes we don't, get, we don't do what we're supposed to do. We don't say what we're supposed to say, or we don't act how we're supposed to act, because... Well, the only times we read its Bible is on Sunday mornings, or we're not studying the Bible the way we should. The Bible is uh, uh, like a two-edged sword. It's supposed to cut you wide open. God says, every time you pick up my word, it's going to cut you open. And he said, I want, I, want you to, I want you to show you what's in your heart. I want to show you what's in there that I put there. I want to show you what's in there that you're hanging on to that you need to get rid of. And if you will submit to my will, I'll cut it out. I'll cut it out. And then you can live for me. His word reveals his will for our lives. So pray, and God will fill you with his goodness. All the goodness you'll ever need. Third, God will also give you guidance that you need. Paul gives fatherly, fatherly advice to the Christians in Thessalonica in verses 11 and 12. It says, as you know how we extorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doeth his children, that ye would, would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Paul was able to give guidance because he was being guided by God. And God wants to guide us so that we can walk worthy of God. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we desire to do? We don't, we, don't, we don't do this to please men. 
we're not out here trying to please the world or trying to fit in or trying to, to uh, incorporate ourselves into other people's lives. We're trying to make a difference. We're trying to, to work and to live worthy of God. Worthy of His sacrifice. Worthy of all that He gave for us. Worthy of the fact that He loved us so much that we should love Him the same way. In the Old Testament, Asaph was a leader and prophet in the time of King David. And he became so full of bitterness and envy. The Bible really doesn't tell us why, but he became so full that he separated himself from God. But he was so bitter. But God guided him to right back to where he needed to be, right on the right path. And in Psalm 73, um, Asaph uh, wrote, this is part of his testimony. Psalm 73, 22 through 24 says, So foolish was I and ignorant, and I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou hast guided me with thy counsel, and afterward received me to glory. Asaph got as far away from God as he could, and God gently took him by the hand and led him back to where he needed to be. Guided him back. Back into God's glory. Back into God's will. And we can never get so far away from God that he won't bring us back. But in order to do that, you must submit to his will. I know sometimes I think, uh, he said, God said God took him by the right hand. Well, God's not going to reach back and grab your hand. But he'll take it if you reach out to him. There has to be a part in our lives where we're so far away from God and we want to go back and we're just uh, like reaching up to God and say, Father, take me. Bring me back to where I need to be. I'm so lost. I have so separated myself from you in so many ways. I need to come back. Take my hand and lead me back. But we must submit. He got it Asaph. He, he got it Paul. And he'll guide us too. He guides us so that we're able to give good advice to the next generation. Every dad is a guide for his children. Where are you leading your children today? Where are we leading the next generation? If you don't have children, God will put you in a place where you can help other people. God wants you to give hope to other people by telling them the story of how God has changed your life. Make a difference. Austin Sarson said, A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. Wow. I think there's a flip side to this. If, if God says, I want you to make a difference in people's lives, I want you to make a difference in your children's lives, that, that, and that there's blessings in that. Well, then there's problems if you're not doing that. How are they going to see God if they don't see Him in you? How are they going to understand what the fruits of the spirits are if you don't show them? How are they going to know the importance of God's Word if you don't read it to them? Seek God's guidance. And finally, God will give you a grateful heart. Look at verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not 
as the word of men, but as the word in truth, uh, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believeth. Paul was so thankful. He said, we thank God without ceasing. I have many reasons to be thankful this morning. I'm thankful for my wife, my children, my church, for my salvation. I'm thankful for my dad. Passed away two years ago. Wasn't perfect, but he's a wonderful man. He worked hard providing for his family. He had a wife and four kids. I never had to wonder if he loved me or not because he was quick to tell me. He loved us by showing us. He was willing to sacrifice for his family. He worked long, hard days, second shift in the mines. Uh, not the mines, but in the, in the Coke ovens. Y'all don't know what a Coke oven is, I'll explain it to you. It's a hot, hard life. He worked 12 hours a day in that, in that for us. That's part of being a father, isn't it? Sacrificing. Paying a high price. Our Father in heaven made us sacrifice. In Isaiah 53, verse 1 through 5, it says, Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when ye shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. Uh, and, acqu- and acquainted with grief. And we laid. And we hid as we were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet he hath esteemed. Uh, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we were healed. What great sacrifice God had for us. He sent his son to be rejected, to be beaten, to be brutalized. To be hung on a cross until he died. But he rose on the third day to give us eternal life. The sacrifice of his only son for our Salvation. That's the Father's love. It's worthy of all of our thankfulness. If you're here today and you know Christ is your Savior, be thankful that your Father loved you so much. He looked down and seen bitter, useless sinners. and said, I'm going to send my son to die for them because I love them so much because one day they'll be coming home. They'll be coming home with their head down, saying, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And he says, you are my son. And there'll be a celebration. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's through a thankful heart that we receive the peace of God. So on this Father's Day, I hope you can look back 
and say, I had a father who made a difference. And even if you didn't, you still have a father in heaven who loves you more than you can ever possibly know. Fathers, God wants you to help you make a difference. Church, he wants to help you make a difference. But in order to do that, we must trust in him. We must submit to him and he'll take away our grief. He'll give us the goodness that we need. He'll give us guidance. And he'll give us a grateful heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you right now, what kind of difference are you making in other people's lives? I'll tell you what, Paul showed us what the key to it was there. It's not just giving out the gospel, but it's also giving your soul. You can go to someone and tell them about Jesus Christ, and it could be the most generic cold thing you could ever do. But you can go to someone and say, listen, I care about you. Uh, I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to know how I can pray for you. I want to know how I can help you. I want to know what we can do to make your life better. And by the way, I also want to tell you about Jesus. But if you don't care for someone and you just want to give them the gospel, it's flat. Paul came to Thessalonica not just to give them the gospel, but to show them his heart. Give his soul to him. To live and die for them. If we know the importance of our father's desire for his children to come home, we can't be like that son that stayed with the father. Yes, we're part of the family of God too. We belong. We're here with God. Why does he care so much about for those who are out there not with him? Because he has us. Those are lost. It's like Jesus going after the one sheep when the 99 are here. And that son who stayed with the father was mad because he spent all his time with his father on the farm working while the other son went out and partied. So why was he so happy he came back? Because he came back. Amen? It's because he came back. So we need to be that son who's out here reaching other people and saying, come to my father's house. Come back home come back home. He's he's waiting for you. He's not going to punish you. He's not going to make you feel guilty. He's going to give you forgiveness and love and mercy that you'll never find anyplace else. Church, if you're here today and you're in your Father's house, go tell others. Not just tell them, but show them with all your heart and soul. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's, He's begging you to come home. He says, I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know where you're at. I don't don't know how you're feeling, but I know what I have for you in my house is so much better than you could ever find anyplace else. Just come home. Come home, receive the forgiveness. Receive eternal life if you just come home. Jesus is knocking on hearts. He's speaking to people now. Father, we thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for fathers. I thank you for those who made a difference like my dad and my grandfathers. And Lord, I pray for the dads here. Lord, I pray that we all learn what it takes to make a difference in this world. It's not us. It's what you give us.
It's the tools you give us to work with. Father, you have to soften our heart. You have to open up our eyes. You have to fill us with your love and, and, and your kindness and your mercy and your forgiveness. Because we don't have that naturally, Father, this sin-cursed body we have. We're selfish, hard-hearted people. But, Father, you change us so that we go out and give the gospel we also give our soul. Let people know how important they are to us and how much we care. Father, we ask now, Lord, that you'll touch us, church, that you'll help us to be that witness. Like Gerald said, that people know they can come here for forgiveness and mercy and for salvation. We tell them about Jesus Christ, and, and this is the place where they need to be. But Father, they won't come unless we go get them. So, Father, help us to do that, to reach out, to show our heart, to show people Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's all sing together and sing out. Amen. Thank you all for being here. It's, it's great to have people come together and worship together. It's such a blessing every time we come together. Uh, look around, see all the people missing. Pray for them. They're on vacation. Pray for safety for them. Uh, I'm so glad y'all are here. All right, y'all come up here. Y'all carry me out today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day you've given us, Father. We, just, we rejoice in the fact that we can come together. We thank you, Father, for your word, your precious word, Father, that speaks to our hearts, that just opens us up, Father, and shows us what you've put in there. It shows us that there's room for you to put more in there if we would just submit to you. Father, I thank you for, for all the fathers who make a difference and all the church members who make a difference, Father. And I pray for those who, who don't know you now, Father, that they just come to realize that they have a loving Father who cares for them, who has prepared something for them they can never get on their own. A heavenly home with no suffering, no sorrow, just peace and love for all eternity if they'll just come home. Father, we thank you now. Lord, help us to be your church. Bless everyone as they leave here. Bring us back to the next point in time. For we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.